Hey there, welcome back to another episode of MVP Business, where we showcase leaders who live through their mission, vision, and passion. I'm your host, Steph Silver, owner of Vine Collective, a unique brand experience and coaching agency where we help businesses to connect with customers and employees and to navigate their personal journeys to overcome challenges and rise to the next level. This episode is part of a local series focused on Wimberley Valley organizations in partnership with Wimberley Valley Radio and brought to you by Ozona Bank. Today's guests are Sheila and Lance Beck, owners and operators of Air One. In addition to their awesome commitment to the community, Air One Heating and Air Conditioning has been servicing residential and commercial HVAC clients in Central Texas for over 35 years. Five years with service areas including Wimberley, Kyle, San Marcos, and Buda. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm excited to dig in. We've worked together a little bit, so I know a lot of your story, and I'm excited to share it because you guys are so committed to doing a fantastic job for all of your customers, your employees, and giving back to the community. So let's start with Lance. The story of how you got into and involved in Air One is phenomenal. Can you take us back to the very beginning? Sure. I started working full-time when I was 13. I was homeschooled, so I'd do school at night, but I worked with my dad doing painting, and I did that for seven years. And through that time, realized that I absolutely hated painting, and I was just not good at it. So my mother had really encouraged me to get into one of the trades, specifically plumbing, electrical, or air conditioning. And of course, she's extremely studious. So uh, she looked around and found that the best company at the time, the company that had the best reputation at the time was Air One Air Conditioning. And so she strongly encouraged me to go apply for a job there. So that's what I did. I was 19 when I went in there. I had no experience, but uh, applied. Obviously, they didn't hire me because I had no experience. And so I applied once a month for a year until they finally, I guess, decided that he would give me a chance. But the owner, Ernest Murray, Ernie and Jane owned the company at that time. And he took me under his wing and he did an apprenticeship program with me. I would just go in two to three times a week in the evening and we do classroom theory. And then he threw me in a truck and I got the hands on as well. That was how I got into the trade. Well, you know, what was it? 15 years later. So I ended up buying the company from him when he retired. That's awesome. So did he, during that 15 years, teach you the business of Air One in addition to the trade? No. (laughs) No. I don't think he ever really intended to sell his company, but his wife was a a longtime survivor of a very rare lung disease. And she ended up succumbing to her illness. And he, I think at that time, it wasn't the same. They ran that thing together. And so at that point, he was done. And so he made the offer to me. Like I said, I think he still thought he had many years left in him. And he probably did. His life not changed. Oh, yeah. He's moved to be with his grandkids. He's still very active. I mean, if he had it in him to run the company, he would still be running it. So when you took it over, you had been working for him for 15 years Did you change anything right away or were you kind of just under the water of the depths of now owning your business? Well, we tried not to change too much at the beginning because I didn't know much about running a business. So now we just kind of maintained the status quo and 
started just working a lot. And Sheila, you're here with us. Did you get involved in the business right away as well? We bought the business in 2014. And it was April 2014. And I think I took one month off because I was working at a, an accounting position at another company. And so I took one month off to kind of prepare my mind and for what was about to happen. And then we just hit the ground running. Um, after that in June, that's when it really started picking up for summer. And at the moment, we were just trying to keep up with the demand. And so we weren't in our planning stages yet. It was just trying to help as many homeowners with our AC. And it we were in emergency <laughs> kind of mode at that time. I was not fully prepared for it. But we were very grateful that two of the original employees stayed along with us because they saw our potential and how we could grow the business. And they have stuck with us until this day. And we are extremely grateful for them because we could not have done what we have done without them. So the other thing that I find wonderful about the way you run your business is that you look at the whole system, the whole house. Can you tell us how you got from emergency mode, just like getting people's ACs back working <laughs> during the heat of the summer or heater in the winter? Those are what people think of when they think of HVAC. Tell us how you transitioned from that Band-Aid fix it to where you are now and what that means. That's a good question. It's a really good question. What we realized very early on was that we didn't know how to run a business. We didn't really know how to grow this thing to where we wanted it to be. We didn't know how to get out of emergency mode because we were either in emergency mode because we're trying to get to everybody or we're in emergency mode because it's winter and it's Texas and we got no work. So we realized that we needed coaching. And so we started doing some coaching. And what we realized through that was the coaching companies that we were working with were encouraging us to pursue kind of a traditional or what has become a traditional format or formula for your company, which is sell. Sell, 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 sell. Most companies will have more salesmen than actual technicians. And most technicians are really there mostly to generate sales leads, which this is how the industry has taught us. It's not per se the contractor's fault. It's what I was starting to become, but because that's what I was taught and it's how I was taught. But it was always in the back of my mind that I didn't like that so much because as a result, we are end up inevitably in that format, encouraging people to replace their system when it might not be time or to throw these gadgets in a system that's going to solve all their problems. That being said, there were also so many different issues that I would come across in a house that I didn't know how to fix. And I didn't really have good explanations to customers. And that really bothered me and it bothered my conscience because I feel like I should be able to provide these things. So eventually through my search of coaching companies, I hooked up with a really good company out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia called Freedom Builders. And both of us, we, we hooked up with companies all throughout the nation that are doing the same things, building science, focusing on the home as a system instead of just the HVAC system and really trying to find long-term solutions for people's problems. And not just focusing on energy or comfort, but also the health of the home and the health of the individual inside the home. And so that really helped us to feel good about what we were doing. 
Because we're a business, we have to make money, obviously. But finding out how to grow our company and stay profitable while not neglecting our moral compass, they helped us with that. And we found a way to do that and to actually run a business. So you figured out with the help of this company how to build a profitable business by providing better service. 100%. That's exactly the way that I should have said it. No, I mean, you said it all perfectly. I think one of the reasons we have this show is to kind of highlight that that is really the best way to run a business, a long-term business or a generational business. Now, Air One is kind of like a second generation because you've taken it over And the reason that I think that you're thriving is because you are focused on that service. And Sheila, you guys are focused on giving back to the community and your employees. And we'll talk about that as well. And that's what helps generate your referrals. So you don't have to say, hey, buy this whole new system when they don't need it. So talk to me a little bit more about what it means to look at the whole house as a system versus somebody's AC stops working, so you replace it, is the traditional model. Tell us the difference. That's a good question. You get a call traditionally, and this is how it's just the industry wants us to do it. You get a call, the AC's broke. You go, you fix the part, right? And then you might try to tack on some add-ons or some gadgets or some things like that, Um, but ultimately that's it and you leave. So looking at the house as a system, I mean, we have to look at all the equipment. That's where we start because we are AC guys. And we start with the equipment. One thing that we see very often in HVAC equipment inside the home, the, the split system, so the air handler, usually in an attic, we open it up, we often find mold growth, bacterial growth. It's mold. It's, it's, there's hundreds of different variants of the stuff. I'm not afraid to say it. It is what it is. So why is that in there? So then we can look at the duct system. Usually it's made with compressed fiberglass in our area. It's made with compressed fiberglass ductboard with flexible duct runs that saturates inside the ductboard. How did it get in there? So then what we have to do is really at that point start taking a whole look at the house. Okay, so why is mold growing? Well, for one thing, mold eats dust. So you got a more dusty house. You get that dust inside the HVAC system. Now you got plenty of food for the mold to eat. So why is there so much dust in the house? Well, then we still have to start doing infiltration testing. Many times, most of the time these days, there's no ceiling in the attic, like not ceiling, but like sealed, like the penetrations, the wires, the can lights, everything like that is not sealed. So dust will actually come in from your attic. Also, we have to look at other things. That's just one example. There's so much to it. But proper ventilation, so fresh air coming in that is dehumidified and filtered before it comes in, and proper dehumidification as well, separate from the fresh air. All those things contribute to that one thing, mold growth, which is a huge problem for health, for safety, but the safety of the home and for the safety of the residents in the home. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to add to that point because before we started our coaching, mold scared us. We didn't really want to touch it. But we had so many homeowners that were coming to us saying, it's an issue, it's a problem, how do we fix it? And so they really encouraged us or pushed us to get that extra additional training. And we had an example of a customer because everybody wants our home to be more efficient. And so he got someone to spray foam his attic 
But now his home is more efficient and the AC that he has is now oversized. So he started getting mold issues. We were able to go in there, keep his existing system and add more fresh intake. A couple of years have gone by, no more issues of mold. At first, it was really scary to have this type of problem for homeowners. But with that additional training, we became more confident. And now we can go into homes and provide lasting solutions and something that we can be really proud of. And a lot of times I know that it might sound really scary to homeowners, but it's not that scary. It can be fixed. Well, and with that, you also have gotten additional training to look at general air quality inside the home, right? Because it's all connected and you're able to now advise on all of those different levels or a lot of them. That is correct. And going back also to the point that when you fix these issues in your home, you're just adding life to your unit. Because all that, what Lance was talking about, the dust gets into your unit. It can create issues with motors going out, with wires or fuses going out. Growth and mold can just eat away the life of your system. So by not only fixing those solutions, you're just adding more life to your unit. Because our goal is to get that AC system to last longer than the industry standard of 10 years. And then not to mention the quality of life of the residents of the home, depending on their level of sensitivity. Absolutely. And that's a big thing. If you look at the statistics, cardiovascular diseases, lung diseases, heart diseases, all these things are on the rise. So if you look at like the great generation, they spent the vast majority of their time outside. Even when they were in homes, the windows were open. Their homes were made with taller ceilings. They were made to ventilate more naturally. And those people were tough. They were tough as nails. I mean, they were. And it, you imagine how long they would have lived if they had modern day medicine available to them. Progressively, as a culture, we're technically, we're not as healthy as we used to be naturally. Of course, we have better medicine available to us. But I mean, there's a lot of different things that contribute to that. I think the number one thing is probably the foods that we eat. Not good. That's probably absolutely the number one thing. Secondly, though, I would probably have to say, and the EPA may be inclined to agree with me, although they have to stay pretty neutral on these things. Secondly, I say we spend too much time indoors and indoors in not such great environments. The industries have been pushing toward more efficient homes, energy efficient, seal it up. And there's been a lot of unforeseen side effects to the way that homes have been built for the last 40, 50 years. And they're not particularly encouraging a healthy environment to live in. And so going back to what you said, if we can do anything to help people have a more healthy home, that's what we're all about. That It helps us to get up out of bed and feel excited to go to work. Because your air is supposed to be cleaner inside your home than it is outside. So and we've gone into homes where it's the air inside your home has more particulates carbon dioxide, volatile organic compounds. I mean, according to the EPA, the air inside of a house, your average house is five times more polluted than a downtown metropolitan area. That's scary. Yeah. So having a house that's more efficient isn't necessarily the problem, like sealing it up. It's what you're doing with all of that, or what would you say? Yeah, you want an efficient home. 
but you want to do it right. The difficulty, and I don't want to bash the industry or the contractors or anything like that. They're just trying to sell homes. Well, and everyone has their own little part. So you have the people who do not know all the terms here. So please laugh at me. But you have the people that put up the foundation. Everybody comes in and does their little part, all the contractors, and they're not always thinking about the whole and then the long-term effects of being in that home. Yes, exactly. Ultimately, they're just trying to sell homes, right? So they have a drawing done by an architect. Usually it is drawn correctly, but you take the contractor, right? He's got a budget. So he's got to put that budget on what's going to sell the home. So he's going to have tall ceilings, which requires better framers. He's obviously got to have a good foundation. They're going to put marble countertops probably because that helps sell a home. So what gets neglected almost every time is the things you can't see. And it's the mechanical system, almost always. So I used to get real annoyed at new construction guys installing systems in homes for new construction. But then I saw what those guys get paid and it's practically unmanageable. They're not getting enough money to be profitable. They have to focus solely on volume. So they do not have it in their budget to actually do what the architect said. They just, they can't do it. And if they refuse to, like I do, then the contractor would just find somebody else. So that made me feel real bitter toward the contractors, right? Well, you know, those guys. Yeah, but then I really dig into it more. And like I said, they're just trying to sell homes. They're trying to build homes that will sell. So we have a public that isn't actually aware about how contaminated or polluted a home can be because of the way that it was put together. So until people in general start demanding, you know, I want a healthy, efficient, but efficient as a byproduct, more specifically, a healthy home. Until we get an educated public about that matter, it's not going to change. That makes perfect sense. And it's the same concept of if you're building a home, especially let's say you're building a custom home and you get to make all those choices of do I want marble countertops and all those things, knowing that the systems that are put into the attic and within the walls are even more important because you can change that granite or marble countertop when you get tired of it. But all of those other systems pieces are so much more difficult to change and so much more expensive to fix later than to do it right the first time. Oh yeah. Like two story homes. I mean, half the duct system is in between the first and second story. So yes, (laughs) I agree with you. So do it right the first time, people. Get a smaller home if you need to. Wait on that granite if you need to. Sorry, granite people. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's just so many decisions to make. And I think that's a big part of it. And so much more to pay attention to. So again, going back to when your AC goes out, it's not necessarily a question of whether or not you need a new AC. It could be what's going into the unit and what's coming out of the unit You know, if you have kids that are getting respiratory infections all the time, it may not necessarily be just seasonal allergies. It could be something that you are allowing into your home. And to follow up on that, there is not a little gadget that's going to make that go away. There's not something you can throw in your AC unit quickly and for a couple hundred dollars or something that's going to solve that problem. If your children are suffering, if you're suffering, a closer detailed look needs to be taken. Now that you've been doing this for a while, what has been the hardest decision that you've had to make in running Air One? I feel like there's so many hard decisions you just have to make on a daily basis. 
And then once you choose that decision, you just have to run with it because there's no turning back at that point. For me, it was the coaching, messy in our education. We knew we had to. It was a lot of upfront money, but it was not only the money, but also the time and being away from our business because we were having to fly out to different states to go talk to other AC professionals, asking them questions, seeing how they work. And that was a rough couple years for us, I think. That was one of the toughest decisions for me to make and fully commit to. And you had a couple of coaching organizations that weren't lining up at first. What made you decide to continue to invest in different coaches, knowing that it was such a big outlay? I had pretty much given up on <laughs> coaching and uh, just happened to come across this other company that was very skeptical at first. I mean, I wish I could have Matt and John here, who one of the some of the guys there, because I gave them a real hard time. <laughs> they said a lot of good things, and I was like, "Yeah, these guys. There has to be something that I don't agree with." And but no, I just came across them accidentally, and I'm really glad that I did. But I don't know necessarily that it was a conscious decision. I I got real bummed out thinking I could never do business in the way I want to, and right around that time was when I met these guys. So. I don't know if I didn't meet them, I, I may have given up and said, you know, I don't really want to be a part of this industry anymore, but they showed up and I was able to keep going and start genuinely loving what I do again. How long did you work with them? Well, we're still working together. It's been about four years. That's fantastic. The first thing I did when I started my business was hire a coach. And it's at one point I said, I can't afford you. I've got to go. And he's like, well, if you can't afford me, does that mean you need me more? I'm like, ah, oh, you're so Right. <laughs> and it wasn't just a twist of words. It was absolutely true. And now it's the one thing that I don't know if I can afford this software, but I've got to keep my coaching. <laughs> yeah, well, it takes a lot of humility, too. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest. Honesty. Yes. That's the biggest thing that I think I've learned that's vital is that if you want to be successful as a business owner, really, you have to have a healthy dose of humility, which I don't. I struggle with it. At least I see it. But you have to constantly be willing to say, I don't know. And then roll up your sleeves and try to find the answer. What other ways does that humility play into your business other than being honest between the two of you as a married partnership that runs the business together with your coach? Then what other ways does humility show up? And that is a really good question. Every way possible. It was kind of like we're learning new roles in our marriage and as business partners from the beginning. And it was hard to separate those two lives that were kind of joined together on the same path. And it was hard to turn it off because when you're so passionate about what you do, you want to talk about it 24-7. And it's hard to turn that off. And that is not healthy either because you have to have those moments where you go on a walk and you just admire nature rather than worrying about, oh, well, we need to do this. We need to do that. What's on our to-do list? And so I think that it was a point in our lives where we finally had to admit, both of us, that we could not continue to work 24-7 and have a healthy life, a healthy marriage. And we are honest with each other. If one of us just needs to say, hey, let's put a pin on it. Let's talk about it later. This is our time together. We have that moment where we can be honest with each other and say, this is our time together. So 
that was a turning point, I think, in our relationship when we came to that conclusion of it's okay to to love what you do, work really hard, but carve out that time for each other. Yeah, I'm still working. She has to tell me to put a pen in it a lot. And, <laughs> and it's good. It's good. I'm still a work in progress there. Other ways that I think humility, I mean, it's every aspect of your business. So many people, myself included, get into this thinking, all right, finally time for me to be the boss. And that's the furthest thing from the truth. I mean, for one thing with your employees, if you're not humble, you're going to have a high turnover rate. If you're not humble, the fact is you're a bad boss. As management, as someone in charge, for one thing, you have to lead by example. So you have to be working. You have to be doing what you say to do. But also you have to come to the realization that the more of a quote unquote boss you get, you're not generating the revenue. It's the guys and girls out there that are in the field that are booking the calls and they're generating the revenue. So you have to make the transition that I am here to support them or I'm their servant. And really that's what you are. And if you don't have that mentality, if you actually have the, well, they're my servant mentality, it can quickly generate a toxic environment. So understanding that you are the servant to your employees, that you're there to support them and just really help and take care of them requires a credible amount of humility. And of course, dealing with clients and customers. Sometimes you have ones that are not particularly agreeable and you have to approach that in a very, very humble way. Sometimes you have to be firm, but also respectful and humble. And oh my goodness, these reviews like the online review thing, sometimes you get some people on there that put some <laughs> put some stuff and it's like, man, I want to spout right back off to them, but I can't do that. As a business owner, we cannot, cannot do that. So that to me has been, I think, the most important thing and one of the biggest struggles that I've had. I think most of us struggle with humility, but that's what I think about that. Well, especially when you're in that leadership position, like you said, Having worked in lots of different businesses, a lot of times the employees think, well, they get into a space of, I would do it differently, and why aren't you doing it that way? And it's easy to get in that high mindset when you're not the one that's paying all of the bills. <laughs> and it's also easy to think that when you are going to be in that spot of all the decisions are yours, that you're going to make all the right decisions. So how do you generally communicate with your employees and help them to understand that you have everyone's best interest in mind, even if you sometimes make mistakes? Patiently. <laughs> I think that when we make changes, what I like about our team is that we act as a team and it's more of a family setting. We have breakfast every Thursday morning and we talk about anything that needs to be addressed, what our future goals are, what our future plans are, maybe something that they would need, want. Hey, I want some more training on this area. Can we have this hour carved out for that? Let's do it. So that's our time together where we focus on changes, on goal setting. And I think that when everybody feels like they have a voice and they're heard, then we grow as a team. So changes are a little bit more easier to make. Yeah. And always being patient and listening to them. And if it, like you really don't have time to listen, so sometimes that happens, making sure that you go back to them 
and listen to whatever it was that they had to either complain about or suggest. And the interesting thing is sometimes at first you're like, dude, I've thought about this way more than you have. You don't really need to be talking about this to me. But then I listen to them and a lot of times it's like, oh, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've made so many changes, so many changes, positive changes that we've made started just like that. Someone saying something that at first I'm like, yeah, this is stupid. I don't think so. And then by the end of the conversation, it's like, oh, I'm surprised I didn't think about that. <laughs> well, and they're in the field all the time and with the customers. So they see different things and they have a different perspective about it than you do. So it's great to see it that way. Like you said, coming to the conversation. And so I would say a lot of times you're so busy as a business owner or leader that you come to a conversation thinking, okay, I'm going to hear you. <sighs> but then when you like actually really ground yourself and say, I'm really actually showing up to hear you, not just the words that you're saying, then you're more willing to accept their information fully. And then it might just be the light bulb that changes things. So Sheila, you are, well, and I guess the organization as a whole, but Sheila does a lot of the legwork. Everybody in San Marcos would probably attest to the community engagement that is not just you personally, but is Air One out there. Tell me about what you are doing to be involved in the community and why it's important to you. It's important to me because this is our home. And we have so many beautiful resources around us, the rivers, that we want to keep it clean. We want it to continue to, to future generations. And I think that's where I made a connection uh, with Air One because I love the idea of being green. I love the idea of going into homes and saying, what's the most green you can be? You don't even have to change out your AC system. Let's keep what you originally have and make it work as efficiently and for as long as it possibly can. And that's why we won the Green Award for the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce. I didn't know my role at the beginning. And over the years, I felt like I kind of was pushed in, not pushed into it, but I found my place within Air One by doing that. And then I grew up with my mom and I and my dad living by the river in Martindale. And we would just randomly over the weekend, sometimes after school, we would just pick up trash in our neighborhood alongside the road. And then I found myself after started working at Air One, meeting people in our community that were doing that. And then that I realized that's my people. <laughs> so Lance and I have been on a few river cleanups on the river and land cleanups. And then that turned into the Mermaid Society and then becoming an a mermaid ambassador for the Mermaid Society, which we are currently working on a float themed Love the Rivers That Connect Us. And it's going to have a little piece of Wimberley on our float, along with some other cities that we service. And so that kind of what fuels me to continue is our love for the community and knowing that we are also giving that to our employees. Any employee that would like to go volunteer their time will pay them to any nonprofit organization that they wish to do. So, Well, that's what I appreciate too with Sheila's involvement because we obviously live in a very divisive world, especially right now. A lot of people seem to be against each other and seeing things one way or the other. But when Sheila gets involved, there's this one group that she's been involved with, the Eyes of the San Marcos River. There's such a great mix and diversity of people there with all different type of ideologies and backgrounds. I mean, they all care about the river. You know, they all care about nature. 
that's just been like Sheila says, it's been a unifying experience, finding these things that everybody really cares about and being able to really branch out and see, just get to know a diverse group of people. This whole area from Dripping Springs to New Braunfels is, it has such a beautiful feeling and the people here are so wonderful and warm and we are connected to our natural environment so much more than anywhere else I've ever lived. And it's beautiful that you found not just for yourself, but with the company, that connection and that commitment. And you're meeting all the people out in the community through that and getting back, not just for the business, but for your soul. (laughs) And we love doing events. I mean, we just finished up the pie in the sky event in Kyle, where we got to meet a lot of people in the community. We had this silly little game where people could launch penguins into buckets that Lance made for me and they just went nuts over it and seeing their energy just gave us energy and so it's fun and it's silly but it's a good little treat and break up in the weekend that you get to break away from your normal schedule and do something like that again we're going to be having a float on September 24th for the Mermaid Society kind of celebrating our passion of the river and then coming up also is the Pet Fest in San Marcos. So helping out local animal shelters in our area. And we, we do a pumpkin patch where you can take your fur babies and take fall photos with them. So little stuff like that where we get to meet the community, get to hear their story. And, and we make a lot of friendships off of that too. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to quantify the money that we're making off of it, eh, yeah. But mainly, it's just good to be part of the community. And that's what Air One has allowed us to do, is is to take more of an active role in the community and get to know our neighbors. So another thing, kind of going full circle, that you guys are committed to is education. And so the original founder of Air One, after your many, many applications... <laughs> went ahead and educated you in the field and therefore you're kind of paying it forward. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like and what it means to you. There's not a lot of technical schools. There is one in San Marcos. Williams School of Excellence that provides HVAC tech training. Yeah, if anybody's interested, uh, it's definitely a great foot in the door to get started. But they're new. They've just been around for about three, four years. So I still consider that new. You can tell I've been in town for a long time. But typically, if you want to go to an HVAC school, it's like North Austin or Central San Antonio. It's going to be your typical one is going to be like seven to eight months. And it's going to cost anywhere from like fifteen to $50,000. And you're going to be driving up three, four times a week. So, I mean, if you like actually break down how much that costs, it's a huge expense. And then, of course, the work you're missing that you could be working. So... For me specifically, I was reliant on just getting a job and getting on the job training because I did not have the money or the time to do that. So that is one thing that we really work hard to give back on. Actually, a couple of our guys right now just started from scratch with us and they didn't go to trade school. We've been apprenticing them. One of them is in charge of our installation department now. Awesome. Awesome technician. Does really good work. Lucas. I'm going to brag on Lucas. He does really good work. We're so proud of him and all of our people. But And so 
we do offer apprenticeships. We just hired another young 18-year-old guy, and he's doing so great. We're really proud of him, too. And uh, that's what we're uh, working toward. We would like to expand that, honestly. Eventually, I would like to have a larger facility where I can have a dedicated training room where we can have anyone specifically, like I was, the low-income young people or older people, whomever, just come in and learn and have that structure. That's kind of my dream right there. So being part of the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce has really been helpful. And I encourage anybody in your community, if you've thought about joining the chamber, to please get with someone in your, whether it's the Wimberley Chamber or San Marcos Chamber, because the connections that you make within the organization is very helpful. We were able to make a connection through the teacher externship program with the San Marcos Chamber of Commerce that got us in touch with the school teachers in our district. And so they have a program every summer where a teacher will come visit with your office for a couple of days out of the summer months and learn your trade, learn what you do so that they can bring that back to the classrooms. And that I think is an important way that we can get in front of so many students in our area to show them that maybe if you are thinking about a career in the trades, we can kind of pave the way for you to make it a little bit easier. And so we're actually working with Odom from the San Marcos School District. We're going to build a training lab for them, for HVAC. And that way, in this year, well, the school teacher that came to us this year he is part of that program. So he's going to help teach the HVAC side to the students. And that's the connections that we made that are very helpful for us to give back to our community. It's beautiful. Thank you for all of your commitment to the students and to the community and to doing a fantastic job with the craft that you provide. What advice would you have for someone who? is thinking about buying or starting a new business? That's a good question. Don't think that your expertise in the field has anything to do with running a business. It doesn't. If you decide to do that, you're learning a new trade. That's running a business. You have to have the background in your craft, but understand that. So do whatever it takes to learn the business side. Make sure that your company is profitable and make sure that you know how to read spreadsheets. You don't have to be a full-on accountant, just you have to be able to manage manage that aspect of it. That's really great advice. And I know that some people think, well, I'll just hire somebody to do that. Yes, you should hire an expert, an accountant to really do it right. But as a business owner, you really need to know how to read the reports, how to read the spreadsheets in order to make the decisions. And the more you put it in somebody else's hands, the more likely you have the possibility of being taken advantage of or not making the right and proper decisions in your business. So it's great advice. Thank you. And I would recommend coaching on any level, whether it's coaching to keep you on track, life coaching, whether it's coaching with other business owners that are in your trade. I know Lance started the coaching. He was the first one that started the coaching. And now looking back at the past, I wish I started a lot sooner. Also, really, you shouldn't stop networking, 
but networking, so joining groups as she leader of the Chamber of Commerce, different type of business groups that might meet weekly or so. That is important. However, it tends to quote unquote fail a lot, or I think business owners don't get what they want out of it. I think because they have improper expectations. I think when a lot of people go in, well, actually, this is what I thought, and then Sheila corrected me. A lot of people go into networking initially thinking, what can I get out of it? So they go up to every other business owner there, hand them their cards and talk about themselves, talk about themselves, talk about what they have to offer. It doesn't really work like that. If you're joining a networking group, you're just making connections and you need to take an interest in the other people and just develop friendships, just develop relationships with people instead of going into the networking group thinking, what can I get out of it? If you approach it that way, you'll have much more success long-term, not right away, but long-term. And I think that's why so many people say that the networking groups fail. I think that we just have a tendency to approach it wrong. The networking I did 20 years ago is paying off now. You didn't see immediate results, but still, it's a long game. That's the thing. Thank you guys so much. Is there anything else that you want to share about Air One or the awesome business that you run? We really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to talk. Once again, it's very humbling. I mean, we're a very small company, and so it's hard to feel justified in having this conversation because <laughs> we are just Sheila and Lance and little Air One. So we're very grateful that you gave us the opportunity to have a conversation with you. You're welcome. And I will say that the first conversation I had with you I thought you would be a perfect set of guests because of your commitment to your customers, your employees, and the community. You guys really are MVP leaders, and you are definitely more than worthy of being an MVP guest. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Best compliment. <laughs> well, thank you guys for sharing your time with us. And thank you all for listening. If you liked it, tell your friends, follow us on Instagram or LinkedIn. The mission of MVP business is to dig deep into the lives of true leaders so that others can follow, knowing that the path is not always easy, but the journey is worth it. So enjoy the day and live with passion. <laughs>